0: good morning, and I'd like to also welcome all of you who are here. So glad this last Sunday of 2018 to be together to worship, to hear God's Word. There's a little bit of a long passage that we're going to read today. We're only going to look at a little bit of it, but if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 2. We'll begin reading verse 21. It's also in the bulletin. Let's hear the Word of the Lord. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel when he was conceived in the womb. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. and This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. And now, the passage that we will look at this morning. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them. And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we come, as Brad has said, into this room with so many different things on our minds, things that have happened this past week, things that we anticipate this next year. We pray your Holy Spirit would open our eyes, would uh, remove from us the things that would distract us from your truth. Lord, as Samuel said, we would say the same thing. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Several years ago, I was on a business trip to Taiwan, and uh, there were 14 other academicians that went on this trip. And it so happened that in the break of uh, the conference, we all had lunch together, and there were officials from the Taiwanese government there. And I happened to sit next to the Assistant Secretary of Defense of Taiwan. And you know, when you're sitting next to somebody for the first time, you, you're kind of wondering what to say, and uh, I'm never going to be a Secretary of Defense, so um, that ruled out professional conversation. So I said what often we say when we meet somebody for the first time Uh, Where are you from? And he said, uh, I'm from Changsha in Hunan province. And if you know China, Changsha is almost in the middle of uh, the province of Hunan. One of those small towns with seven and a half million people in it. (laughs) And I said, oh yes, Changsha. I I said, when was the last time you were there? Because obviously you're in Taiwan And he said, Dr. Woods, I've never been there. And I said, oh, I thought you said you're from Changsha. He said, yes, I'm from Changsha. But that's where my ancestors are from. And when I die, that's where I'm going to be married, next to my ancestors. So that's where I'm from. For us in the West, that might seem very strange. In the East, that is extremely understandable. Understandable. The sense of a place is central to the human experience. This past week, the holiday week, people have been traveling. Airports are full. Trains are full. As we go to a place, that means a great deal to us. Geraldine Page was in a movie in 1986 called Trip to Bountiful. I don't know if any of you have seen that that movie but it's the story of this old widow woman who's living in Houston, and she's got a daughter-in-law that she doesn't like very much, and uh, her son is a henpecked husband, and she wants desperately to get out of Houston to go back to her Texas hometown called Bountiful. And she thinks to herself, if I can just get back to Bountiful all of life will be good again. It is the human heart, the human experience that tells us if I can just get back to that place. And today's passage is about place and home. Perhaps you know that this is the only recorded incident in the life of Jesus from the time he was born until he shows up as a preacher, a homeless preacher, three decades later when he turns 30. This is the only incident recorded for us in the life of Jesus before he shows up. Now, the historical evidence for Jesus is overwhelming. And I would just say, uh, if you struggle at all with wondering about the historical Jesus, I'd love to, to sit down with you and uh, have hot chocolate or something and and speak with you because it's absolutely overwhelming, both internal and external evidence. But here's the deal. If the four biographers of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if they got together and they decided, let's make up this story about a false figure... I guarantee you, one of the things that they would not have done, and you have to know first century literature to understand this, one of the things they would not have done is skip over the first 30 years of Jesus' life. You don't do that when you write a biography of somebody in the first century. You have to talk about how they're raised. Matthew, Mark, John, they don't say a word. Luke only says one thing. Luke was the most trained historian of all the people that wrote in the New Testament. You just have to look at the beginning of Luke to see that. He talks about secondary sources and primary sources and oral histories that he has done. He knew James, the brother of Jesus. They had extensive conversations. I am convinced from internal evidence that that Luke had multiple conversations with the mother of Jesus, Mary. I mean, how did Luke know about the angel who appeared to Mary when Mary was alone? You notice in verse 51, it talks about Mary pondered these things in her heart. Where did she get that? Well, Luke sat down with her as a good historian would and got that oral history. But why this story? I mean, if if Luke is sitting down with James and he says, James, tell me what it's like, what was it like growing up with Jesus? Or or Mary, tell me about Jesus' life when he was eight years old. What are the things that you can remember? I believe that Luke could have told a lot more than he did. Part of it was time issue. Part of it probably was paper. But he decided of all the things that I've learned about Jesus, this is what I'm going to write about. Why? I think the hint that we have is it says that Jesus was 12 years old. Well, what does that mean? In Jesus' day, as in today, if you are a Jewish boy, the year between 12 and 13 is the most important year of a boy's life. When you are 12 years old, you are a boy. When you are 13 years old, after going through the bar mitzvah, You are a man. And so this is the last time that the boy Jesus is going to walk up the hill to Jerusalem as a boy. The next time he walks up, he's walking up as a man. And when you're between 12 and 13, there is intense training that goes on to get that boy ready for the bar mitzvah, to get him ready to answer questions. And what we have in this story is we're told that every year they go up to Jerusalem. And the reason it says it goes up from Jerusalem, even though they were in the north, is because they have to climb a hill to get to Jerusalem. They've done this every year. This is the 12th time perhaps Jesus has done this. And I am sure as they're walking and they're going to the Passover, Mary and Joseph are like, Okay, we, we have got to let him know about all of these things. He's, he's, a, he's turning 13 next year. He's going to do the bar mitzvah. We've got to to talk to him. And I'm sure that they did as they went on this journey. But as they're going back, as we've read, as they're going back, Jesus is missing. Now, some of you say, well, can that really happen? Well, of course it can happen. Um, not, not in our individualistic Western society, but go back 2,000 years uh, to Israel. And what we find is that they just figured uh, Joseph figured mm, Jesus is with Mary. Mary might have figured uh, Jesus is with Joseph. Or they might just be in the company uh, uh, of the other relatives, which I think is extremely instructive. It means that Jesus was just a regular guy in some sense. He would be with the other kids. Now, keep him away from his cousin, John the Baptist. He's a strange duck. But, but otherwise, you know, he'll just hang with the others. I think sometimes we get this idea that Jesus had a ha- halo around his head when he was growing up, and he was this contemplative guy that nobody touched. Now, they just figured he's with the rest of the group. And uh, verse 46, we find that uh, it ends with them finding Jesus after looking for him for three days and he's at the temple. I find it fascinating what he's doing. He's listening. He's asking questions. He's responding to them. The hardest part of this sermon, as I was getting ready for it, was to try and communicate to a Western culture in the 21st century, the centrality of the temple in the Jewish worldview. I don't have time to to dig as deep as I'd like to, but the temple wasn't church. The synagogue was more seen. The temple was the only place where God noted that his presence would be with humanity. It is where people went to meet God. It wasn't a superstitious thing. God is the one that directed how the temple was to be built, what the furniture was supposed to be, what rooms, what color the curtains were supposed to be. This was something that God said, okay, if you want my presence among you, it's going to be at at this temple. Israel was a temple state. The priests and the theologians and the leaders worked at the temple. Let me put it this way. Let's say let's go back to the first century if we can. I want you if you can imagine the most precious person in your life. Maybe it's a 6-year-old boy or a 7-year-old daughter. Maybe it's your spouse. And that 6-year-old boy or 7-year-old daughter one morning wakes up and starts to cough. And blood starts to come out as it as he or she coughs. And you know what that means. You've lived long enough to know what that means is that uh, they've got a few months to live. Or maybe it's your spouse who you really love, and she feels a lump. And you know what that means. I know what I would do the first thing I would do if I was in Israel is I would run to the temple and I would say God what do you want what do you want from me my only hope for my son for my wife is you that's the way that the temple was seen it was where God met with people All right, back to the story Three days searching. Listening, asking questions, answering. Why was he doing that? Nazareth was such a backward town that most of the people in Nazareth were blue-collar. Joseph was a carpenter. Mary was probably relatively young and raising a family. They didn't have the sophisticated knowledge that these experts in the law did at the temple. And here he is, a 12-year-old boy, and he's like, I've hit the jackpot. These guys know the word of God backward and forward. And I'm going to sit and I'm going to ask them questions. I'm going to listen to them. He's gaining an understanding, I believe, of who he is, his identity. He developed like other children. I mean, uh, you tell a six-year-old, oh, by the way, you're the savior of the world. (laughs) I don't don't know if a six-year-old can process that or even an eight-year-old, but he is on the precipice. He is at the edge of becoming a man. And he goes and he starts asking questions and listening. And he hears about a king that is supposed to come to Israel. And it begins to dawn on him. The reality, this is me. And Mary finds him. And I love what Mary says. Out of great desperation, she says, Jesus, why have you treated me this way? Why have you treated me and your father this way? My dear Jesus, you have never treated me like this, never. You've never lost your temper. You've never thrown anything across the floor. You've been kind. I've never had to worry whether you were telling me the truth or not. If something was missing, I knew you never had to steal. But why this? Do you see it in in, in the passage? Why have you treated me this way and your father? And then we have the first recorded words of the Son of God. God. the first time Jesus speaks that we get a witness to and he responds by saying this why have you been searching for me why didn't you know I had to be in my father's house is this a rude snarky smart alecky cold response Mary is trembling and Jesus response is why have you been searching for me Mom, you just said that you and my father have been searching for me. Mom, mom, of all people, you should know who my father is. Mom, it's beginning. I know who my father is. I believe, and this is speculation, so here's the word of God, okay? This is at the center of things. I'm going to step away from this. I believe from a historical perspective, educated thought, that the reason this is the story that Luke put in here is because if I was a historian, the first question I would ask Mary is when did Jesus know? When did he know? And what we find is that Mary says, at the time I didn't understand it, but when he said that, when he said, Mom, of all people, you should know who my dad is, who my father is, I knew then that he knew Because it says in verse 51, Mary remembered that. That was the thing Mary remembered, that she treasured this in her heart. I believe this was a private conversation between Mary and Jesus, Mary Joseph and Jesus, perhaps because nobody in the Old Testament, zero, ever said, God is my Father. No one. And here is a 12 year old saying, Not only is God my Father, I'm in His house. This is my Father's house. I checked on the internet, and as of last month, there are 7.7 billion people living in the world. There is only one person walking on this planet who can walk into my house and can say, this is my father's house. Just one out of 7.7 billion people. And of all the people who have walked on the planet earth, there's only one who could be at the temple and say, this is my father's house. There's a lot of things to learn from this. Let me just mention one. When God came to the earth in the Jesus, he came to a place where people expected to meet God. Not a shack in the Amazon, not a cave in the shadow of Mount Everest. He came to the most obvious place where people would think that they would find God. And why did he do this? Brothers and sisters, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. He did it because God wants to be known. He wants to be known. And the Lord God was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and He called out to them, Where are you? From the beginning, God has been inviting us to know Him, to know this person. Not this energy, not this nebulous power, but a person. Jesus says to Mary, I need to be in my Father's house because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those who are lost. They're coming here looking for God. I need to be here. Now, how do you picture God? Maybe this is an easier question. How do you picture yourself? I think a lot of times we see ourselves almost like rats in a maze looking for God, and God is playing hide-and-seek with us. And we're going here, and we're going there, and we're looking for God, and we think God is hiding from us. And then when we perhaps get close to God, he runs faster. Uh, And then if we ever do find God, he's kind of upset that, oh, well, you you know, like in hide-and-seek, ah, you found me. Um, that's not God. Our God wants to be known. 20 years after this experience, we have an example of this. He's now a very a grown man, about 31 years old, and we find this in John chapter 4. He's walking, he's been to Jerusalem again, and he's walking back up to Capernaum to his hometown. He'd moved from Nazareth to Capernaum and on the way again i don't know what picture you have of jesus but on the way he is he can't take another step he is exhausted and he sits at a well and many of you might know this story and he is just his he tells his friends his disciples you go on into town and get something to eat i am wasted i'm tired there's only one other person there it's a woman right It's at noon. It's very hot. Jesus asks for a drink, and she's kind of surprised, and she says, well, why are you asking for a drink? And I'm a woman, and we're actually ethnic enemies of each other. And then as we heard earlier, Jesus said, well, I'll tell you what, I've got water that if I'll give you this water, um, you're never going to have to come back here again. You won't thirst again. And she, she says, oh, Give me that water. I need that water. And he says, I want you to go call your husband. And she says, Oh, you know, I'm free as a bird. I don't I don't have a husband. All's good here. And Jesus says, Yeah, that's right. You don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands. And you're shacking up with somebody right now who's not your husband. In that, you've said the right thing. You have no husband. And do you know what she does? She says, "Well, let's talk about the temple." <laughs> you know, you, you say that you're supposed to um, worship down at Jerusalem at that temple. We say that we have to. She tries to deflect Jesus by talking theology. Now, I'm a theology nerd. I mean, I remember my first paper was on the difference between the superlapsarian and infralapsarian views of God's decrees. I mean, we try, And so here's this woman who's just been told by Jesus, I know your life. I know that you've been trying to find meaning in men and they've all let you down. And she says, well, let's let's not talk about that. Let's talk. Let's talk theology. Isn't that what we do? God comes to us and says, man, I'd love to give you some water. I'd love to get into a relationship with you. And we say something like... uh, Well, we don't have five husbands. But I've got this anger problem that I can't deal with. I've got this lust that I can't deal with. I've got this greed. You know, I've hated this person for the last 10 years, I can't get rid of that. And God loves us so much that he exposes to us our sins. And, and, and then we try and say, well, let's talk theology, God. Let's talk about where the temple is. And, and Jesus says, no. I want you to know me. Do you remember what she, he told the woman? He said, uh, you want to talk about the temple? Well, there's coming a day where people won't go to that temple or this place. But when they worship, they will worship God in spirit and in truth. And she says, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. There's a Messiah coming, and he's going to tell us all about that. And he says, the one speaking to you, the king of the world, the king of the universe, Is this tired man sitting in front of you? I, who speak to you, am he. And I've come to find you. I don't know what you think about when you think about 2018. When I look at 2018, I see myself, I failed as a husband i have failed as a son i have failed as a father i failed as a friend and jesus comes to us this morning and says i've got water for you don't don't hide don't hide those things A few years after this, and we're coming to a close here, a few years after this, Jesus was in a room, an upper room. He was just hours away from being crucified. I kind of was wondering in preparing this sermon if his mind went back because it's a Passover again and he's in Jerusalem again like he was supposed to be, uh, the good Jew that he was. I wonder if his mind went back to when he was 12 years old. I wonder if the thought came to his mind. He came unto his own, and his own didn't receive him. I've come here, and they've rejected me. And in a few hours, they're going to put me on a tree. He's with his best friends. They are scared. And do you remember what he says to them? Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believed in God. Believe also in me, in my Father's house. In my Father's house are many rooms. You've been looking for a place. I started out at my Father's house, which was a temple, but I want to tell you we're heading to another place, a place that you've been searching for. Throughout his ministry, Jesus would tell his disciples, you're not getting this. But when he says, I'm going to my father's house, and in my father's house there's many places, and he says, and you guys know this, and good old Thomas says, no, we don't. We don't get this. We don't know the way. We don't know the geography of your father's place to be in communion with your Father. And Jesus says, it's not a place. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the place. I am the king. The next day, they took Jesus and they put him on a tree and they killed him. They crucified him and they buried him. And Dr. Luke ends his historical inspired gospel by telling one more story. Because three days after they put Jesus on a tree, there are two people again. One of them, he gives the name Cleopas. He doesn't give the other one's name, two disciples. Some church tradition says that the other one was actually the wife of Cleopas. And it's been three days. Three days again, huh? And they're walking and they're sad. You see the echoes of Luke 2 here. Two people, perhaps a man and a wife, they've been looking for answers for three days. And here's the, here's the difference. Jesus comes to them. Jesus comes to them. And he says, what's wrong? I say, well, they didn't find him in a tomb. And it's been three days. And we've been looking. And... and Jesus says, let me tell you who I am. Let me tell you about me. And it says that beginning in Moses and then the prophets, he opened up scriptures And he said to them, I am the king. I am the one. Now the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will always be with us. As we move into 2019, you need to know that Jesus wants to be known. That the place that you're looking for, you're not going to find it here on this planet the place that you're looking for is a man he is the savior of the world the king of the world our savior Jesus Christ let us pray Father we thank you for this story it's, it's uh, our imaginations go back to the 12 year old son of God obedient to his parents wanting to be in his father's house in the temple and yet learning that destroy this temple and in three days I will build it up again. Father, as we move into 2019, help us to see your mercy to us, to not hide behind lies, to not hide behind theology and doctrine, but to come to, the, to King Jesus, to know him through your word,